to Wallowing in the Shallows, the podcast that skirts the perilous drop-off of a deep dive into television and movies. We are academic nerds aspiring to become TV and movie geeks. There are no spoiler guards in the shallows, so listen at your own risk. This week, join us for a wallow in a Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1 rewatch. Hey, hello, peeps, and welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows. This is Tori. And this is Rebecca, and we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1, Episode 11, Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Yeah. General thought about the episode before we get into anything? Okay. Whenever physics gets used for a supernatural (laughs) explanation, I have shoes <laughs> i have issues about it so we will get to that part but other than that i i did really like the episode this is just an issue that i have when when physics gets used for evil you know that i just can't quite get past but i love a cordelia centered uh episode yeah i did enjoy it great yeah i did too um but i do want to i was thinking as i was watching this show again and getting prepped for the podcast i was like am i gonna say billow or buffo today (laughs) (laughs) time will tell time will tell now it's just really stuck in my head now so i'm afraid i'm gonna say it a lot okay well we'll laugh every time (laughs) probably (laughs) okay you have a uh, summary for us i sure do all right lay it on me Okay, Cordelia is super jazzed about the potential of being crowned May Queen, but her boyfriend, Mitch, gets attacked by a baseball bat. Buffy and the gang is on the case, but while Buffy tries to get info from Cordelia, Harmony gets pushed down the stairs by an invisible attacker that Buffy chases into the band room. Willow discovers Marcy, a student from the high school who has been missing, plays the flute, which Buffy heard playing. The English teacher is nearly suffocated with a plastic bag, but Cordelia saves her. We learn Marcy was ignored by everyone, and therefore, by the magic of quantum mechanics, she becomes invisible. Sorry to burst your bubble, but quantum mechanics does not work that way. (laughs) That was a little interjection from Rebecca. (laughs) Buffy sees Marcy marked up Cordelia's picture in the yearbook, so Cordelia is the primary target. Marsha traps Willow, Xander, and Giles in the boiler room with the gas leaking, but Angel saves them. Marcy ties up Cordelia and Buffy and is going to cut up Cordelia's face. Buffy escapes, subdues Marcy, but two FBI agents show up and take Marcy away. We learn invisible kids such as Marcy are being trained to be assassins by the government. (laughs) You called her Marsha at one point. Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> Marcy, right? Yeah. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. So please replace Marsha with Marcy in your brain, <laughs> kind listeners. Oh, now all I got is Brady Bunch on the brain. <laughs> Reasonable. Brady Bunch brain. Brady Bunch brain. Brady Bunch brain. Brady Bunch brain. <laughs> That's hard to say fast. I'm not, e- I'm not even going to try. <laughs> And why should you? It was one of those stupid things that pops up into my head. Well, I love an episode that opens with Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And do you remember, this isn't my trivia question, but um, did you recognize the the female character? Harmony. Yeah. I did from the computer lab. And you've kind of told me to keep an eye on her like she is going to be around more. So yeah. I couldn't remember her name until they said her name. But I was like, oh, it's the computer science lab girl. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, she turns out to kind of be, you know, Cordelia's kind of bestie mm. for at least for season one and and part of the next season. But she's around, you know. Okay. One of those recurring well, characters. I'll keep keeping an eye on her. It, we almost lost her. I mean, that tumble down the stairs, though it was actually her stump dub- stunt double, not her bad wig again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like Harmony wasn't going to make it, but just just a bad ankle as a result. She's She survives. Yeah. I mean, that had to hurt like hell falling down cement stairs. Yes, and yes. to only come out with a hurt ankle, but we get ahead of ourselves. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> back to Cordelia saying that her dress has to be specially made since off the rack gives her hives. Who was this bozo? I am not impressed with Mitch, even if he did make the varsity baseball team. Yeah, <laughs> she's got bad taste in men. Very bad taste. This guy. I dislike immediately and I dislike him even more later. I don't oh, care yeah. that he got hit by a bat. I'm glad he didn't die, though. I did write down, unsurprisingly, Cordelia is talking about herself. Exactly. Which I kind of dig about this episode, right? Because mm-hmm. they kind of make fun of it. They dig into it a little bit and we get a little, a little meta. more. They bring it forward. <laughs> I do like it, too. And Cordelia being up for this May, May Queen. I don't know how much you noticed, but there were posters for Cordelia. Mm-hmm. This May Queen was a huge deal at this high school. And I think it was a huge deal because of Cordelia, because I bet every single poster up was mm-hmm. up because Cordelia put it up. <laughs> you know, everybody voted for her just so they wouldn't have to deal with the fallout. Or perhaps there was nobody else who even wanted it. That could be. That nobody could... else might have even been running. I sure didn't see anybody else's posters up. And I kept wondering, I'm like, why are they calling it May Queen? Because later on, somebody refers to the dance as the prom. prom. I'm like, why isn't she just the prom queen? Agreed. I I don't know why. But it and does kind of her- seem like last episode when they called it Kitty League instead of Little League. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was like, this universe just is slightly different. I'm not sure. Yeah, but later, I mean, in a future episode, they do talk about prom. So, hmm. Well, it wasn't May Queen at my high school. No, nor mine. It was the Brom Queen. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember who they were. Sorry if anybody from my old high school just happens to be <laughs> listening and you were the Palm Queen. I'm sorry I don't remember it was you. Well, believe it or not, I was my senior year. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was the tiara and everything? I was the May Queen herself. I did. I had the tiara for five minutes. It was... Not something that I ran for, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I chalk it up to having been involved in a lot of different activities. Mm -hmm. And so I think I had people, I think I had name recognition from a variety of areas. Not that anybody thought exactly sports people, drama people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think name recognition is what got me in more than any sort of 
popularity factor. Wow. Anyway, anyway, I did not take it nearly as seriously as Cordelia did. I'm sitting here going, I'm not sure Rebecca should have told me she was the prom queen. (laughs) (laughs) It took Buffy the Vampire the Slayer season one, episode 11 for it to finally come out. (laughs) Obviously, it is not something I bring up very often. (laughs) Oh, I promise I won't use it. (laughs) <laughs> do your do your worst <laughs> did you catch the uh harvest episode throwback mm, in this scene not immediately well you Give know me. when buffy runs out and drops her bag yes weapons are everywhere and yes cordelia behold the weirdness and once again we see buffy cannot come up with good excuses on the fly all this although this is one of her better ones right because she's going to use it for a history class but as cordelia and mitch and harmony are walking away cordelia's like did i ever tell you about the time she attacked me at the bronze okay i did make note of that i just didn't realize which episode it was Uh, and i thought it was unfortunate that she recalls buffy attacking her at the bronze but fails to mention her saving her at the bronze yes good old cordelia yes yes selective memory yeah which brings us to the english class loved it of course from if you prick us i knew it was from the merchant of venice Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i shakespeare reference exactly so i liked miss miller immediately but i couldn't figure out of course i recognized the shakespeare reference but it did make me question why they had Samuel Beckett quote up on the chalkboard. Oh, that I didn't see. And Beckett was spelled incorrectly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mrs. Miller, you're losing points. Yeah. I thought that was so funny. But back so, to Venice. Yes. I, Go ahead. I thought it was quite ironic as Cordelia is talking about Shylock that she's basically describing herself and doesn't even realize it. 100%. Have you taken a look in the mirror, Cordelia? This exactly. is you that you are describing. Exactly. And at this time, I ran over, almost ran <laughs> over a girl, or kind of ran over a girl, sort of ran over this girl. She yes. tried to make it all about her. Yes. Yes. I wonder when it was, when she was blind, that brief amount of time when she was in driver's head. <laughs> I digress. But clearly sometime between that episode and this one, Cordelia got her driver's license. Yes, despite all the odds being against her. (laughs) I also, when she mentioned the the Twinkie defense, you know, that was a term, of course, I'm very familiar with, but I wasn't Mm. sure where it came from. Oh. So I looked that up. Did you know anything about it other than it? I'm assuming you know what the Twinkie defense means. I have heard it. I don't know that I could define it really clearly, but I'm looking forward to hearing where it comes from. Well, it simply is an improbable legal defense. Okay. And it's from 1979 in the trial of Dan White, who was eventually convicted only of manslaughter for killing Harvey Milk and San Francisco <gasps> Mayor George Moscone, or Moscone, oh I'm not sure how gosh. he pronounced it. 
But he, White said that he had diminished capacity when he killed those two guys because he was eating Twinkies and other sugary things instead of healthy foods, and it affected his depression. Wow. That's very interesting. And basically, it kind of worked, right? Because the guy got manslaughter instead of murder (laughs) charge or conviction. Wow. But well, the Twinkie defense came from. You just laid some knowledge on me. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Weird knowledge, but knowledge nonetheless. Speaking of no- knowledge, you know, Cordelia seems like a really serious student. Right. Because she's concerned about this paper that she. Yes. And, it, and say, she's doing it. And I'm pretty sure yeah. they contradict one another. Yeah. And it's all in advance. I mean, she's not asking for an extension. She wants to figure this out before she submits the paper. So she really, she, and and Mrs. Miller was like, oh, I really appreciate when someone's done the reading because maybe Mrs. Miller didn't really agree with Cordelia's comparison to Shylock, (laughs) but she had clearly read it. Yeah, clearly. I did like, I made a note that you could almost See the relief when the bell rang on Ms. Miller's face? She must have been thinking, okay, I don't have to respond to that. I'm yes. saved by the bell. <laughs> yes. Yes, but she was, she seemed very genuine with Cordelia about being being excited to help her. I mean, yeah. just Mrs. Miller's a good teacher. That's yeah. just what I, what I left. No judgment and just trying to help her students learn. So yeah. props to Ms. Miller. Glad you didn't get suffocated. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I liked Cordelia's quick foreshadowing remark as she hooks up with Harmony in the hallway. Mitch is going to die about her, about her dress, not yes. any kind of prophetic thing. She just thought Mitch was going to really go crazy when he saw her in her prom dress. And as soon dress, as excuse me. As exact and as soon as they changed to the shower scene, I was like Mitch is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice how much brighter the boys' locker room was and how much taller or shorter their lockers were? I mean, there's nobody shoving a body in one of those boys' lockers. No. And that locker room was palatial. I think there were something like 20 showers. I yeah. was just like, what are they housing? If we got a diagram of like the blueprints of this high school, I think it is massive. Yes. It's like it's... When they call it a campus, right? This seems like it really is a campus. Yes, agreed. And Mitch, oh, you scuzzy boy. I, oh, it's not my arm that I'm going to get on or whatever he said about Cordelia. I noted, I'm like, that's gross. I was like, put on a few pounds, Mitch. You're scrawny. (laughs) (laughs) So I wasn't too upset when the baseball bat went and bopped him a few times yeah and i don't know if they make him say that gross thing just so you don't really care that he gets whacked with the bat or what yeah well it worked yeah it did i was just like come on so is really campaigning hard for the may queen really hard really hard chocolates posters continuously talking about it this yeah. is what is she compensating for, right? We do get a little insight into it a little bit later. Yeah, she drops some pearls on us later. 
She really does. She really does. When we have Xander and Willow and Buffy talking together, and Willow and Xander find this story from days gone by so hilarious, I was like, wow, that story about that deputy must have been really funny because (laughs) they are in stitches. And the rest of us are right with Buffy like, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It did make me think, you know, since you've met so many of my family members, like, have I done that? Like, what I would, I gotta stop saying like, it annoys me. Sorry, and I'm sure it annoys other people too. I apologize. But I wondered if, do I do that when I'm with my family and you're there? Or like when John has been there, do we get going on stuff that other people have no idea what we're talking about. And did Anna and I do that just a couple weeks ago? Oh my gosh. Nothing like this. I mean, of course you share things that I haven't been there for, but I never felt excluded, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure things like that happen when you're around my family, Mm -hmm. but hopefully it is not so extreme. I've never felt like that. I've never felt the way Buffy was depicted in any of the times I've spent with you and your family or friends. Good to know and ditto. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Woo. Okay. Great line from Principal Snyder. Dead? Of course not. Dead. What are you, ghouls? There are no dead students here this week. This week. This week, yes. Oh, Principal Snyder. He's growing on me. He's an onerous character, but I like him. He is totally growing on me. Mm -hmm. And I totally knew in advance. I knew Cordelia was going to say something about not wanting pictures with Mitch because (laughs) of his bruising. Mm-hmm. So I jotted that down here, but she definitely says it a little bit later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did think once again, when Buffy just thinks she's going to march into the police locker room and Snyder stops her. And I was like, come on, Buffy, you got to get better at coming up with these on the spot excuses. Mitch needs his comb. Yeah. Luckily, Willow had her back. Yes. As always. Yes. Well, as usual, as mostly. Yes, mostly. As mostly. And we find out Mitch's dad is a lawyer. And the kid who was the other virgin back in the episode with, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Also, his dad was a lawyer. So we've got a lot of lawyer kids at this school. But is Mitch's dad really a lawyer or was Mm. Will just saying that? to get Snyder's attention. Well, that's fair. That could have been so. So then we get our first clue with the Buffy did successfully now get into the boys' locker room mm-hmm. and the bat is no longer floating in the air, but <laughs> she discovers painted on the lockers the word look. Yes. All I could think about is she's clearly not worried about the police finding her fingerprints, fingerprints. in the boys' locker room. Yes. Well, as well as we know these policemen, she's got nothing to worry about. (laughs) Yes. So do you have anything more to say about the boys' locker room before we move on to the lunchroom? No, I think we got it all there. 
Once again, another Vote Cordelia Chase poster on the wall for Bay Queen. It does the wall look fabulous in that poster, though. It's true. It's true. I mean, she does good work. Mm-hmm. Nobody's denying it. But mm-hmm. when she's the only one with posters up, I couldn't see <laughs> a single other poster. Mm-hmm. And so Giles shows up in the lunchroom. I mean, it is just, it would be so creepy looking to see a teacher <laughs> hanging out with his students as much as Giles and these three walking them into school, showing up in the lunchroom, <laughs> let alone all the library scenes, but nobody's in there apparently. Right. But it's not just the library. Right. I mean, zero times did yeah. any of my high school teachers sit down and have lunch with us. Yeah, absolutely not. I think the last time that happened would have been in fifth grade, just when we were having our end of the year picnic and since we were having it outside our teacher had to eat with us that was the only reason (laughs) couldn't go into the faculty lounge no not at all i would think high school teachers would be like i desperately need this break yes speaking as someone who has been a high school teacher that's right (laughs) Yes, I definitely wanted to have lunch on my own. We didn't have a lunch room. Well, there was a lunch room. We didn't have a faculty lounge, but I was able to eat my lunch in my classroom with the door by myself. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I would be. Yeah. Yeah, it was necessary. So Xander is back to being afraid of Cordelia. I think an episode or two ago, I was saying how Xander was really standing up to Cordelia. Now he's back to, nope, nope, I'll do the research. You mm-hmm. talk to Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his vampire bat comment. <laughs> that was good. Yes. But he calls himself on it, right? Yeah, <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> Low hanging fruit, but punny and fun. For sure. And so, yes, then we get to the scene where Cordelia does mention uh, her concern about Mm -hmm. how Mitch is going to look in his prom pictures. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to have that little flashback scene, which we later come to know is the scene with a scene with Marcy. Mm -hmm. But just out of the blue, though, it's just like it does. Totally comes out of the blue. And it's like we get Marcy's memory there Mm -hmm. for a moment. Now, I'm not sure why she... Marcy's a bit homicidal, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And instead of... She could have just as easily shoved Cordelia down the stairs, but she shoves Harmony down the stairs, who seems like kind of a bystander i know that i know that (laughs) what's that i'm sitting here going to ditz yes sorry go ahead no no it's just it seems that she's not the real cause of marcy's pain i mean as much as anybody else ignoring her and not knowing who she was and all that Mm -hmm. stuff but it seems as if cordelia is really the object of her ire but maybe it's just this sort of Ooh, I'm going to scare Cordelia by hurting these people who are close to her. That's probably it. Or cause Cordelia, maybe she thinks it will cause Cordelia more pain, right? That the people that right. she's closest to are getting hurt. But Joke's on her, like Cordelia cares about any of them. Exactly. Exactly. She should have just 
gone for Cordelia immediately. It would have been more effective on Cordelia. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I have my comment. Wow. Harmony had quite a fall, but she seems to be okay other than the ankle. (laughs) And Snyder got there really fast. I think he just is constantly tailing Buffy. (laughs) He shows up too, too quickly. He has always kind of singled her and Xander and Willow out. So it Mm -hmm. wouldn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. So Buffy chases, she finds that this quote unquote ghost really does seem to have corporal form. She feels the ghost run into her Mm -hmm. and she feels, she sees the ghost sort of interact with objects around it. So she starts to think maybe it's not a ghost and chases her to the band room, quite an outfitted band room, I must say, with an incredibly large number of awards. So hats off to the Razorbacks band. Yeah. Sunnydale High's band must be kick-ass. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. I'm like, that is a lot of trophies. I wish yes. we could have got a close up on him and seen how many were like golf trophies right. and track and field trophies. Just whatever trophies they could get their hands on. Exactly. Or there. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't able to get a good look. That's for sure. I wondered, I, I was thinking about this this morning because, you know, Marcy's supposedly this band geek. Mm-hmm. And I, it made me think about all the band people back in school and I was, they always seem to be hanging out together so i was wondering did they pick the right type of student to be the invisigirl well i don't know this may or may not surprise you but i was in the band <laughs> did you have time to go to class rebecca <laughs> i played the clarinet and so i was in concert and marching band so i i have some affinity for the for the band nerds as well. And I think I would have to say that I think you're on to something because, yes, I mean, there were a variety of people who comprised the band, but I think overall it was a pretty safe space where yeah. just whoever was in the band was just kind of accepted, at least right. at my high school. Right. And, and so, yeah, for one of the band members to become invisible, it, are, are we just prioritizing people like Cordelia ignoring them? But then later we find that Willow and Xander didn't know who she was either. Right. And the fact that she was in the band, part of a team, part of a group, you would certainly think that those folks would remember her. And they probably wouldn't just say, have a good summer. Right. You would expect it to be more like an Ali Sheedy from the Breakfast Club's character. Right. No extracurricular, no connection to anything. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Cool. Thanks. So go ahead. I was just going to say, what did you think about the men in black lurking outside the school? I immediately pegged them for FBI. (laughs) I just immediately was sure they were FBI. I didn't know why they were there, Mm -hmm. really. Obviously, that they were, like, trying to catch her to recruit her for their assassin plan. Right. But I knew they were FBI. And I really felt like they were trying to play up X-Files. I mean, it felt Mm -hmm. real, you 
real, I don't know, men in black, goonsy. I don't know. Yeah. But they were they were quickly picked out. How about you? Well, I see the men in black and I was like, could you be any more obvious? Yes. I mean, yeah. Are they just trying to I I guess they're just trying to figure out who Invisigirl is and how did they find out about Invisigirl? That is an excellent question. I can only think because the boy Mitch claimed to be attacked by a baseball bat that had no wielder, that maybe they were scanning high schools for such clues like that. Could be, because as we find out later on, there are more of them. Yes, yes. They've got a whole army of these invisible people. (laughs) And Xander shares that he would like to have the ability to be invisible. (laughs) So he can stalk the girls' locker room. Mm -hmm. Of Mm -hmm. course, Xander. Just sometimes keep your thoughts to yourself, dude. He mentions that Greek myth has cloaks of invisibility. I actually tried to track that down, and I could only find a cap of invisibility. Hmm. But invisibility cloak just, of course, immediately makes me think of Harry Potter, which I think postdates this. It does. Yeah. I couldn't think of... Because I, when I was in sixth grade, for some reason, I really got into Greek mythology. Our teacher would take us to the library once a week, the town library. Yeah. And I couldn't remember anything about that. And I'm glad you looked it up. Yeah. It showed up in some other cultures, but not Greek. Yeah. Boy, you know, Xander and Willow are as thick as thieves in this episode. They sure are. It really was blatant how much they were just sharing and in every class together and sharing these private jokes with one another. They've been friends for the whole mm-hmm. season so far, but just it really stood out uh, this episode, them being <laughs> thick as thieves is the only thing I can come up with. Right. And I think it was a way to illustrate how easy it is to exclude somebody Oh, yes. Even when you're not trying to, you're not trying. I mean, they're not deliberately trying to exclude Buffy from their group. That's a really good point. The uh, underlying message of that particular behavior. I think you're exactly right. That just popped into my head as you were speaking. Oh, fabulous. Well, it really makes a lot of sense. It gives it a whole purpose. Mm -hmm. So then we see Cordelia and apparently all her handmaidens are, who are super excited about her trying on this dress. My God. <laughs> I was like, why are those girls fluttering around Cordelia? It was a very kind of Cinderella moment. Again, another kind of Disney reference where, although in, in Disney, it would probably be little animals and stuff fluttering around Cinderella, getting her ready for the ball. Yeah. Yeah, it was really bizarre. I can't remember behaving like that, anything like with, that in high what school. What was with the girl with the mobile? The mobile? Mobile? mobile <laughs> yes, the kind of colorful, what What was she getting <clears throat> decorations ready or something? Yeah, it was no. a bizarre little panoply that we had playing out in front of us there. <laughs> I was like, oh, goodness gracious. And in fact, when Buffy was walking toward that scene... There was a trophy case kind of behind her, and I wondered if that was the trophy case where the witch got imprisoned in the cheerleading trophy. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, go to the trophy case, puppy. I want to see if uh, Amy's mom is in there. Yes, yes, totally, totally. (laughs) 
Catherine the Great. Yes. Well done. I did. I have to admit, when this scene first started and we see Buffy and she's got Angel's leather jacket on and she's got the leather pants on, I'm like, oh, now the comment I made last episode sounds really stupid because she's got the leather pants on. Yes. Thanks, Buffy. Thanks, costume designer, wardrobe just, person. Just throwing it right in your face. <laughs> exactly. Smack, smack, smack. Oh. <laughs> So we get the ghostly flute music, and then... It would have been more fun if it was like the tuba again. (laughs) Nice. We love a good tuba. We really love Did you think you could actually, when she was in the band room the first time, you see the tubas. Yes. It's like, there's a lot of tubas there. (laughs) Yes. Again, this award-winning band. Yes. What I will say is in in my band experience... The flute was a very popular instrument for girls to play. So maybe, the, I, I don't recall a single male flute player in my band. Mm-hmm. And there were like a bajillion flutes. Mm-hmm. I was a clarinet, which was more dominated by females. But mm-hmm. there were some guys who played mm-hmm. the clarinet as well. But the flute was almost exclude was as far as I could see, exclusively female. Now, I know Charles Galloway plays the flute. I'm not saying that men can't play flutes. They absolutely can. But in the the sort of young people band world, I think a lot of girls play the flute. And so I wonder if that was an intentional choice that unlike the tuba, right? (laughs) Like a girl playing the tuba and there aren't as many tubas as there are flutes, Mm -hmm. that perhaps a flute player would be the least memorable of the band members. Sorry, all my former band members who played flutes. <laughs> this is no aspersion on you. Could be. I wasn't thinking about it quite that way. I was thinking more of they wanted an instrument that could sound super melancholy. Mm. And a tuba can do that, but it would be a little bit harder to be, I guess, absconding with a tuba from the band room. <laughs> Well, an oboe sounds very mournful. Oh, yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they went with the flute, and everybody knows what a flute is, so it's safe play. Everybody knows what a flute is, but not everybody knows who Charles Galloway is, including me. Oh, well, he is a famous flute player. And (laughs) I would recommend that you check out his version of Flight of the Bumblebee on the flute. Hmm. And and it's that, I don't know if you've ever heard it, it's that flute song that's like, you know, and Charles Galloway does a beautiful job with it. It's a very challenging song to play. Did he play with an orchestra? I mean, of course he did in that song, but I mean, was he with an orchestra? So I think of him in the same way as like Yo-Yo Ma or Itzhak Perlman or something. I'm sure they've done their time in orchestras, but I think that there's such big names. And actually, I don't know if Charles Galloway is still alive. I know in college he was he was playing, but uh, they are featured with orchestras. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's certainly the biggest flute player I can think of. He is the only flute player. <laughs> well, you know one more flute player left, flute player than I do. <laughs> well, well, at least I had one in my pocket. But I, I am happy, of course. I know who Yo-Yo Ma and Itzhak Perlman are. Nice. Yes, I know that much, at least. Nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so 
we get to see Angel without his reflection lurking Mm -hmm. as usual and with a scar-free chest. Oh, I totally forgot to check, but you did. Excellent. I totally checked. His chest was fine, and he had his collar open the same way he did before. I think we would have seen it if it would have been there. Nice, nice. Must be that vampiric healing power. 100%. But then, you know, we see so many vampires with, like, if we jump back to the three, that one guy's face was, like, totally disfigured. Why didn't he heal from that? Well, a good question. And he was a really old vampire. He was. And my understanding is the older ones heal faster or something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't have all the lore. Maybe we shouldn't nitpick it so much. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. It, it probably can't hold up to such scrutiny. More a, a note for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a word I needed to look up. Okay. When Giles said maudlin. Oh, I love that word. Yes, I think I probably pretty much picked it up from context, but Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not sure I don't, I really know the definition of this word. Mm -hmm. And I think I would have said, you know, overly sentimental, Mm -hmm. but the definition I saw was self-pityingly or tearfully sentimental, often through drunkenness. Now, did you know about the drunkenness component? I did not. I mean, clearly that wasn't the way Giles was using it. It was just an aspect of the word. I think the tearfully sentimental was the part he was honing in on. But the through drunkenness was a a new bit for me, for sure. I can safely say I have been maudlin in that (laughs) sense more times than I care to admit. Now you'll be able to use that word even more effectively than how you have in the past. Yes. In my 20s, I was quite maudlin. <laughs> and I have several friends that can attest to it. Can attest to it. Well, I almost made my trivia question. What are the two most salient books of Slayer lore? Well, one is the Codex. I don't remember the Watcher's Diaries, I guess, was the other one they talked about. The two that that Giles mentioned were the Tiberius Manifesto and the Pergamum Codex. And it was the Pergamum Codex that Angel said he had a bead on. Yes. Just referred to from now on as the Codex. The Codex. Yes. (laughs) Do you think Angel looked older? In this scene, I thought they lit him very badly. And I think that I thought was, he looked real pale. I just thought he looked old. And I, I want I was mm. wondering if it was because they were trying to make sure that he didn't show up on any of the reflective surfaces that were around, including Jalice's glasses, because I looked oh, wow. several times to see if you could see David Boreanis reflected in Anthony Stewart's head's glasses. That's impressive. Now, this is why I was I make making the reference to myself about being nitpicky. <laughs> well, they passed they passed this test. They did pass that test, but I really think Angel looked so much older. But in the basement scene or the boiler room scene, he looks young again. So that's why I was like, it must have been the lighting in that particular scene. Mm. Okay. I did. I was curious as to why Giles 
was going to look at a book called The Legends of Vishnu to try to find yes. out stuff about invisibility. I cannot claim to be an expert in Hinduism, but I know a little bit about it. And I didn't remember anything about invisibility being associated with Vishnu. So number one, I looked to see if there was a book called Legends of Vishnu, and I could not find it, even in the Library mm. of Congress. Oh my gosh. Collection Made so, up. Yeah, totally made up. They did a good job of making that book look really old. Mm-hmm. Hats off to the props department. And I did a little bit of research into Vishnu, who is actually a peace-loving deity and is mm. considered, well, in later later kind of incarnations of Vishnu, he becomes kind of like a preserver or sustainer of life. But nothing about invisibility. I just couldn't find, I was even trying to really stretch some of the stuff I was learning. Could that be interpreted as this? And I right. just conclusion like, no. <laughs> they just threw it in there. They just threw it in there. So it really doesn't have any importance at all. Okay. Well, I'm glad you followed that string because I did not. <laughs> <laughs> So Cordelia wins May Queen. They so focus on this May Queen because, I mean, it was a whole prom court, right? There's king and queen, blah, blah, blah. And we just don't hear anything about anybody else. It's just this, it's May Queen or bust. Nothing else is going on. Yeah. How many missing girls are there from this school that there's a whole list that Willow comes up with? Mm Mm-hmm. But, I, but they, I need, I need to, after you finish what you were just going to say, I need us to back up a minute because we've missed my scene with my trivia question. Oh my gosh. Okay. I was just going to say, so they, they hone in on Marcy Ross because she played the flute right. from the list that Willow uh, put together. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So this is back in one of the flashback scenes where okay. we actually kind of see Marcy in the bathroom. Is, yeah. I think it's really the first time we actually see Marcy outside of her. Well, no, it's the first time we see Marcy or Invisigirl. I agree. But they're talking about this alumni lecturer, right? Yes. So my trivia question is, what vegetable do the alumni lecturer's toupee look like? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I do remember this, even though I didn't write it down. A cabbage. A cabbage. Ding, 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 ding. Yay. <laughs> Yes, because Marcy says it and nobody listens. And then Cordelia says it is the funniest thing ever. Right. Do you think Cordelia consciously did that or just really said it thinking it was her original thought? I think the latter. I really don't think she stole it. I think she doesn't really listen Mm -hmm. to anybody else, Mm -hmm. but she does hear things. Mm Mm-hmm. And it re- so I don't think she did it intentionally, but she could have. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that in that scene, you know, Cordelia totally never acknowledges Marcy's even there, even mm-hmm. though Harmony does. But yes. Cordelia really is like Marcy is invisible. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you recognize the actor who plays Marcy? Yes, I've seen her in a lot of stuff. 
what I wrote her name. Cleva, clean it. No, not Clara. I did write it down. It is a different kind of kind. Clea Duval. Clea Duval. Exactly. Yeah. I've seen her in a ton of stuff. Well, she is in that movie Identity that I want you to see. The one with John Cusack. Oh. So another connection to Identity. I remember her most from She's All That with Sarah Michelle Gellar's hubby, Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, my gosh. I knew that at some time, at some point, but I would not have been able to come up with it right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here's the first time I say, are those FBI guys? Because <laughs> we see the guys in their black suits. Um, and Xander and Willow, inseparable, are headed to geometry, which tracks because in a previous episode, Willow is trying to explain bisecting an angle which would definitely come up in geometry. So I appreciated the consistency of the math class they were taking. Nice. Nice. Well, we move on to Buffy finding Marcy's lair. And I was like, are dropped ceilings weight-bearing? I couldn't believe what was going on about how much she could crawl around up there. And then later in the episode, she does fall through. So apparently it's, it's not perfect. But... I was like, geez, Marcy's living up there. Yeah. Of course, the one thing I noticed is Buffy was crawling around up there. I was like, why are there no spider webs? Granted, perhaps it's because I was kind of still on the spiders from the previous Ooh, episode. But there, no doubt, the cleanest ceiling, attic-y looking area I've seen. Or crawl, I guess it would be a crawl space, technically. Well, maybe Marcy keeps it tidy up there. Could be. Could be. I really was fearful mm-hmm. when it looked like Miss Miller was going to get it, but mm-hmm. I liked that Cordelia saved her. Yeah. Well, I was fearful that Buffy was going to get stabbed. Oh my gosh. Yes. In the scene while we were still up in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. why didn't, why didn't Invisigirl stab Buffy? What made her stop? I think maybe she was just ready to in case, I don't know. Mm. seeing what Buffy's intent was. Or, mm. I'm I'm not sure, but then when she just left with the yearbook, maybe if she'd left with the flute, she would have stabbed her. I don't know. That could be, that could be. But yes, I was very happy to see Cordelia save Ms. Miller. Yes. And at this point, I sure thought the look and listen had to do with looking and listening to Marcy, you know. Not letting was a little somebody be ignored. Yeah, I thought it was a little disingenuine when Giles and the gang were talking and they're like, well, we can't figure out those clues. What does look and listen mean? I'm like, it's this freaking invisible girl. What are you Exactly. Exactly. Ugh, Giles. And this is, of course, where I had the challenge because Giles brings up quantum mechanics <laughs> and how states are affected by observers yes true but on a subatomic level (laughs) (laughs) not an entire human girl (laughs) it did make me curious that scene as to which philosopher it was that first came up with this rudimentary concept that reality is shaped by our perception Right away, it reminded me, this is not a philosopher, of the Worf hypothesis, which used to be called the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, 
after Edward Sapir and Benjamin Worf. Edward Sapir, very noted early anthropological linguist, mm-hmm. and Benjamin Worf was a, one of his students. And I think for a long time it was called the Worf or the Sapir Worf hypothesis because that whole, you know, your advisor gets the credit for everything you do kind of thing. But it was really yes. Worf who came up with it. And it, yes. they specifically talk about how our language conditions what we can see mm. or or how we interpret what we're seeing. I was trying to demonstrate this to this class one time and a student was debating it with me and he kept going, I don't see that. I don't think that's true at all. Language doesn't, you know, condition what we see. And I was like, you know, let's take a moment here. Let's take a break and let's all look out at the wetlands and I want you to think about it. If you only had these six colors to describe the wetland, you've probably heard the story before. And that student just kept staring out at the wetlands. And I mean, you couldn't have timed this. It was like somebody scripted the scene. He's like, wow, that makes me see the wetlands in a totally different way. And I was like, and that's the Superior Wharf hypothesis. It is now 320 and you may all leave. <laughs> Perfection. It was one of those great moments. That kid just sat there, stared at me like, oh <laughs> my gosh. Snap, you got me. Yes, yes. But again, that's not philosophical. That's uh, linguistical. But Plato, wow. unsurprisingly, seems to be the first recording of that. But I think more recently and probably a little bit more well-known is Descartes. I think, therefore, I am. Pretty much, yeah. And he is also like, I am. he's quoted as saying, I'm certain that I can have no knowledge of what is outside me except by means of the ideas I have within me. Mm-hmm. So, nice. Yeah. How do academics ruin Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> okay. Well, now that I concluded my quantum mechanics rant, yes, yes, very cool that Cordelia comes to the crew for help. <laughs> it's all about me, 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 me. It, it <laughs> is all about Cordelia in this one. Yes. Which brings us to my trivia question. Okay. Which I think, well, we'll just see. We see the Marsha's picture. Marsha. Marcy's, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, because isn't there a spelling of Marsha that has a C in it? Anyway, yes. doesn't matter. Yes. I keep seeing that in my head. Anyway, there's a yearbook picture of Marcy mm-hmm. and Cordelia says, is she really wearing Laura Ashley? Yes. But. Whose picture is just to the left Willow. of Marcy's? Yes. I thought that was really cool. Rosenberg, mm-hmm. then Ross. I did notice that. I was like, wow, they ding, ding, made ding. sure those were uh, alphabetical. Nice on them. Yes. <laughs> yes. I really wanted, because I felt like Willow's picture was a little too obvious. I wanted to see the name of one of the other two that we saw that were below. Oh, yeah. Those two, but I couldn't see the names and I didn't recognize the people. So I had to go with, I had to go with Willow. (laughs) I did notice that. For the first time, I have to admit, I don't, I don't even know what made me think of it. Probably because I'm like, what is Rebecca going to ask me? 
I and you got really it. close attention. <laughs> you that nailed it. Be. Boy, I tell you, I was trying to look in every locker to see what was in everybody's locker. It was hard <laughs> to tell, but I did see the smiley face that was in Willow's, uh, not Willow's, uh, Buffy's. Right on. Although in this one, I did notice that there was a, in the last episode, you could only see like the top half of the David and it looked like it was covered. But this time you could see the full David, but he had boxer shorts on or something like that. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. But before we leave the scene, sorry to back up a little bit. I thought that Cordelia had great lines during this scene. She's so clueless as (laughs) how insulting she's being. As she's going in there asking for help. Yes. Um, You know, Giles is like, I don't really ever remember seeing you here before. She's like, oh, no, I have a life. Yeah. And the Laura Ashley comment. She's just like all those kind of subtle insults to Buffy and Buffy's expression. Mm -hmm. Way to go, Cordelia. Let's go ask people for help while we're insulting the hell out of them. But we really do have just a great exchange with Cordelia and Buffy where we really dig into Cordelia's own insecurities. And we'd heard earlier in the episode Willow say Cordelia's known for trying too hard or going mm-hmm. too far. And we see that she's covering some loneliness. She It's not sure anybody's ever actually listening to her, but Mm -hmm. at least when she's popular, she's surrounded by people, even if she doesn't feel like they really know her. Who would have known Cordelia was capable of going deep and doing self-reflection kind of stuff? Yes, yes. But that is really true. I mean, you can be in the middle of a crowd and be super, super alone. Completely, completely. But yeah, Cordelia's somewhere wisdom. Somewhere in this scene, there is yet another smoking sucks poster. <laughs> <laughs> I've been keeping an eye on you know, smoking kills, smoking sucks. They're everywhere in this school, mm-hmm. along with Cordelia's May Queen. Well, it kind of makes sense because it's really not until when do all those smoking bans go into effect where you couldn't even smoke in bars and stuff. I mean, you know, when I was out partying, I always came home smelling like ashtray. Right. I usually usually had to shower awful. right when I got yeah. home just because the smoke smell was so bad. And even after washing your hair, you could still smell it. So we're not that far out of those smoking bans coming into effect and really hard push about yeah. not smoking. That was I hate I hate being covered in that smell. Yeah, I'm so hypersensitive to it now. Yeah. I mean, my mom smoked like a chimney, and then again being in those clubs four or five, six nights a week sometimes. And I was constantly smelling that smoke. And now I just can't even stand being around somebody smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. And I run into it so rarely now, mm-hmm. 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 which is great. Yeah. I even get kind of irate when I'm driving and the person in front of me has got the, their cigarette hanging out the window. I'm like, yes. I don't need your cigarette smoke. And it's outside, but I'm yeah. so keenly aware of it. I'm just like, yes, ah. totally. Okay. Well, Marsha, 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 Marsha. Mar- it's as bad as Buffalo. Buffalo. I was just thinking the same. Marcy traps Xander, Willow, and Giles in mm-hmm. yet another boiler room that is apparently yeah. different from the other boiler room where the girl was smoking before. And boy. 
this Marcy is strong. This Marcy is murderous. And she is twisted. She definitely is. She definitely is. Which makes when Giles says later, right after they're trapped in there, that the isolation has made her go mad. And Xander's like, you think? Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't know if this was a continuity mistake, but when Giles, Xander, and Willow went into the boiler room and then the door closed it was like they were locked in there Mm -hmm. and then they get out because angel gets them out and Mm -hmm. then angel goes back in to turn off the gas Mm -hmm. which i don't know why he's gonna do it any better than they did other than Mm -hmm. he's not choking while he's there but he closes the door behind him yeah i didn't think about that but exactly angel would be trapped in there yeah yeah (laughs) that's funny i never saw that before did you notice so, when they were go going ahead. down into the boiler room, all the yes. barrels of oil sitting outside the boiler room? I'm oh like, my God, no. I don't think the school would have barrels of oil sitting in the basement. I'm I cannot sorry. imagine. Just I'm ready not. to have the whole thing go up like a powder keg, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> that was going to be my trivia question. Which, what was the oh. name of the oil company stamped on the side of the oil drums? definitely would have missed that one lay it on me what was it regis oil oh it wasn't never. anything grand okay okay funnier i think if it would have been something like oh sinclair oil or something with the little dinosaur oh yeah logo on there but they probably would have had to pay for that so couldn't get the rights yeah well then we get to sort of the culminating scene which was just awful that marcy wanted cut up cordelia's face in some joker style fashion Ooh, yeah i'm glad we didn't get very far with that it was just so disturbing yes it is it is and i i was thinking while i was watching it why did marcy bother with the local anesthesia if she wanted cordelia to suffer and then yeah. she explains herself right she didn't want cordelia to faint and i'm like well why is using a local anesthesia going to stop her from fainting? Just because right. she can't feel the pain mentally, she's going to feel the pain, mm. right? Because she's yeah. going to project the pain. And that yeah. should be enough to cause her to pass out. Again, nitpicky Tori here. Pretty horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And Marcy really gives Buffy a run for her money. Buffy escapes, but then she's got to use... Her keen powers of echolocation <laughs> to, <laughs> to really find out where Marcy is. Yeah, so I guess all the other times we see Buffy get snuck up on, it's because she's not concentrating. Yes. With a gentle wind wafting through her hair. Yes, yes. But exactly. I do like that shot. I like the slow-mo of it. It's, yeah. It really sets a mood there. And it is quite satisfying when buffy clocks marcia under marcy now you got me saying oh <laughs> now i've now i've done it now i've done it now she's not only invisible but also improperly named she's gonna haunt us next <laughs> it would have been funny if they would have called her marcia and then they could have thrown some brady bunch jokes in there and you know xander yeah. would have come up with some yeah yeah would have liked that well, I knew the FBI guys were going to come and yeah. they let all the work get done. And then they 
took Marsha. Marcia. <laughs> okay, it's just done. It's just done. Her name is transposed. In... They took Marcy away. Mm-hmm. I love when Buffy's like, Do you know that you guys are very creepy? <laughs> yeah. And then they say, have a nice day, just yeah. like have a nice summer. Yes. <laughs> So we see the scene where Cordelia seems to have broken through Mm -hmm. and thanks the crew. Mm -hmm. But the moment she's tested, she turns aside from them once again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It'll be interesting what we see moving forward. If she continues to be nicer to them on the sly or if she just goes completely back to as she was before. Right. Is she going to consistently just revert to type? Yes. Yes. And so then we close with this entire class of invisible kids, mm-hmm. which apparently all of them are up for hi- for homicide. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe part of losing your visibility is also becoming homicidal. <laughs> the loss of your humanity. Loss of humanity should be the warning yes. label, right? Visibility results in loss of humanity. Totally. Totally. Or loss of visibility may result in homicidal actions. Little warning label. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. You know, she's flipping through the book, and of course, we see the chapters called "Assassination and Infiltration" as infiltration, and then "Radical Cult Leader as Intended Victim." I just mm-hmm. so happened to pause it because I wanted to write down the title of that chapter because I was like, maybe that could be my trivia question. And then I started reading what that book said. Did you happen to do that? I did not. So I'm reading this and it says she's not a girl who misses much. She's well acquainted with the touch of a velvet hand, like a lizard on a window pane. The man in the, can't read my own writing, the man in the something with the multicolored mirrors as his hobnailed something. Boots. Hobnailed usually means boots. Hobnailed boots, lying with his eyes as his hands are busy working overtime. A soap impression of his wife and blah, 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 and goes on and on and on. And I'm like, that's kind of insensical, which I know Samuel Beckett is known for writing kind of insensical stuff. So I checked into it. It's not Samuel Beckett. Who is it? a Beatles song. Oh, my gosh. It's on the White Album which technically is just a uh, eponymous album called The Beatles, but everybody calls it The White Album. And it's Happiness is a Warm Gun. Happiness is a warm gun. I know the song. Nice. I was like, whoa. You know, when you said hobnailed boots, Mm -hmm. that that immediately made me think British. Mm. I don't know why, but I did not go to Beatles wow the beatles that that is a deep cut you just did there wonder what kind of rights they needed to steal those lyrics in the book well i wonder because technically you know they're not singing them or anything like that and it's just a flash Mm. i only noticed it because i paused to write down the chapter title and as i was doing that i was like oh i wonder what a chapter on assassination would look like or what are they going to put in there (laughs) i started reading it i'm like what the f is this because i didn't recognize the lyrics no i actually when they gave me the title of the song i didn't recognize it as a a beatles song so i had to go to youtube and and pull it up i'm like oh yes 
But when you heard it, it was familiar. Yeah. I'm going to have to listen when we finish today. I'm going to have to listen to that song because I do remember some of the lyrics, but none of the things you said made me think of that song. Well, I would play some of it right now, but you and I definitely can't afford it. (laughs) Definitely not. Definitely not. But listeners can do a little work on their own to bring it up themselves. (laughs) It it is on the YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. That's the last I had for this episode. How about you? That's it for me as well. I think that's a really cool place to finish because that was an awesome catch. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Well, all I hear all day long at school is how great Marsha is at this or how wonderful Marsha did that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Wallowing in the Shallows is created and produced by the both of us. Edited by Mo. The soundtrack for the Wallowing in the Shallows, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1 Rewatch is Apache Rock Instrumental by Sound Atelier, available on Gemendo.com. You can send us feedback at witstvpod at gmail.com. That's W-I-T-S-T-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Subscribe. And then subscribe. And then subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Like and subscribe.